When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzarite Financial Services. With Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, I'm Tim Priester. It's about 36 hours after Notre Dame's 24-17 victory over Michigan. Top to bottom, a real quality performance for Notre Dame offensively and defensively. Special teams obviously need a little bit of work, but I don't think you could. I don't. I mean, you can't really ask for anything more than what Notre Dame got on Saturday night. No, I mean, they played a game against... Uh... Bitter rival, prime time, opening weekend. It was a fairly clean performance in terms of discipline. And then they took the game outside the margin for error until basically the last five minutes, which I thought was really impressive. I mean, they I don't want to say they had no game pressure on, because even when you're up 10 against Michigan, that's still like game pressure. But it didn't feel tight. It didn't feel that until way. Until Michigan had the ball with a minute 35 to go um, after... After Notre Dame had stopped the end, and I, that's that's impressive in its own right that you're able to like have that control of the game against a good team, not a great team, but uh, certainly a, a good Michigan team. Yeah, they handled them for 50 minutes and then they held them off. And yeah. if you said that was what Notre Dame was going to do when they play top 10 teams and top 20 teams this year, there's there's four others that are right along that line uh, for various reasons or in terms of preseason rankings. You know the the special teams touchdown. I have, I have kind of two views of it. One, the non-excuse, but. Brian Polian on Media Day said, I asked him, I was like, how do you practice full speed for special teams these days? He goes, you don't. It's unfortunate. We get one or two live reps near the end of camp because we're not trying to get down there and hurt people. You can't use your starters on both sides to hurt each other running out on special teams. And he said, so the first game is always tough on special teams. Well, that's not an excuse because not every team in the country gives up a touchdown in these situations either. But no, and Notre Dame had a return, and it was 20 yards. So. Right. The, yeah. the, the, exactly. The issue um, I have is when people say, if they're breaking down a game, and I think this comes from media and fans, well, if not for the special teams touchdown, you know what? Special teams are a pretty big part of the game, and Lou Holtz made his entire career on special teams. So if not for the special teams touchdown, Notre Dame loses at Michigan when Rocket Ishmael returns two kicks. For well, that would be like that would be ridiculous. like saying that for the last fifty-three minutes, Michigan played Notre Dame even. I mean, the first yeah, eight count, right? Exactly, and, and, and Notre Dame really made them count. I, Notre Dame was up double digits just shy of fifty minutes. So, I you know I never really felt like there there was a ton of game pressure. I, you know, at the end of the game, obviously it's all on the line. Michigan's seventy-five yards away, but. Notre Dame played great, and I really think that, you know, I mean, if you didn't know that Clark Lee was a first-time defensive coordinator, there was certainly nothing that you saw from the Notre Dame defense that would indicate that. They were they were aggressive, they were unpredictable, they were creative, they were prepared. I, I didn't see anything that would indicate he was a first-time coordinator, and I don't, I don't think any of us are really surprised. Number one, Michigan's offense is not very good. Their offensive line in particular is not very good, but... Hey, that, that's what a coordinator does. He takes advantage of that. I thought he did a fantastic job. Offensively for Notre Dame, 143 yards in the first 14 plays. That leaves about 159 in the final. Oh, there's 55, but five probably were, you know, plays where they weren't trying to go anywhere nearly at the end. Um, 
I just think Michigan has a really good defense, and they adjusted as well. I, I don't. I'm not concerned. People have said we'd be concerned about Notre Dame's offense. Yeah, I mean, if you play Michigan's defensive line every week and you throw out Wake Forest's offense or Stanford or Stanford's offense, you'd be more concerned. Yeah, we in the in the second segment we have a question about Notre Dame getting too conservative, and I I, I will argue that yeah. point. I don't I don't think that's what happened in the second. Yeah, half. I mean I think it's worth keeping in mind that that's pro- that's as bad as Notre Dame's offensive tackles will look all year. It's as it's the least experience they will be all year, and they went against the best combination of defensive ends they will go against all year. So I had all the ingredients of them really struggling, and they did. They really struggled. Um, I thought Eichenberg at least made a few plays. Um, his like cut on a linebacker on like a quick Tony Jones like shovel pass I thought was really good. Um, Robert Hainsey... This is something we talked on previous podcasts is that his training camp injury was going to be really undervalued, and yes. I think it was. Whether that was a conditioning aspect of it, because he had cramps and IVs, I, I think you would have to point to that as being an issue, or just being a little bit rusty because he hadn't been out there taking reps, uh, and you're going against an incredibly quick defensive line. It, Notre Dame's offensive tackles will get better. They have to get better. Um, but I think what happened on Saturday night is – not really an alarm. It's just something that will naturally improve. And I think they got what they wanted out of Eichenberg. When he get he would get beat, but he'd come back. For instance, on uh, the last touchdown they scored in the first half, he gets a piece of the defender to get Jafar Armstrong nine yards, so they could eventually go and pick up a first down. He, he didn't make the play, but he got out and did what he had to do to allow it. And I think that's the guy that just keeps battling against guys that are better than him right now: Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary. Are better than him. Yeah, you're going to. You're going to fly. Winovich is as good as you're going to see, man. I mean, he he every play he refuses to be blocked. But uh, you know, I thought I when I commented during the game, Eichenberg's doing a good job. I must have seen a, a series of plays in which he he performed well because having watched and, and and I saw it as the game progressed, he obviously struggled. Let's talk about Brandon Winbush, twelve for twenty two, uh, one hundred and seventy yards. This forty three yard touchdown pass to Chris Fink. Notre Dame is, and let's just say this, I want to say this, Notre Dame is not out of the woods with Brandon Wimbush because he could have got picked on the first throw of the game. And like he did so many times last year, there were several throws where he just kind of launched it up. There was a screen pass to Avery Davis that I didn't think Davis gave a real good effort on it, but that certainly could have been picked by Hawkins, the kid that got that came in for Metellus that, that was beaten by Fink. Uh, he could have had a pick. So, you know, but the way the Wimbush competed, the 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 – <laughs> the incredible use of his feet yeah. when when Nordheim, that there was a little period there where okay they're not doing anything offensively now after they scored the first two touchdowns and it was all Brandon Wimbush's feet or Brandon Wimbush's feet that created a 19 yard throw to Clay, uh, Chase Claypool. Yeah, I mean I thought Wimbush. You could, this is a game that people should not get carried away with no. in terms of him as a passer because I mean and even the touchdown to to think a better safety picks that off. Um, that was really right there. poorly played yeah. by that safety. Um, that was Hawkins, the guy who yep. came in for um, Metellus, who got kicked out. Um, but you saw why he starts in the first place. 22-yard uh, run on third and 18. Uh, I think he had an 8-yard run on third and 7. I mean, that, that's all why he's in there to begin with. Um, at the ability to sort of overcome adversity, I I guess I kind of want to see a little bit more of that because it's not like he had, he had the pick. Notre Dame's already up at that point. 
they didn't really do anything offensively the rest of the game. Um, but he had a couple nice throws, too, that, you know, Mac dropped that one uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, which really would have put it away. I thought his touchdown to Boykin that got wiped out was a really <laughs> nice throw. And that pass to Claypool on the sideline where he rolls outside the pocket, while it was fluttering on its way there, it was still, it got where it needed to go. Well, he was, and that's, he and was that's that didn't always happen. Last yeah, year. he was rolling hard to his left. That's a tough throw yeah. thrown across your body. I thought the great catch by Mac was a great touch by by Wimbush. That. That was, yeah, that was a that was one of the plays of the day, really, because Doug Flutie made a good point, and I know everybody's about to turn off the podcast, mm. but uh, <laughs> that when Wimbush had that quality start, he was able to just go play football the rest of the game. Right, it's a very it, it. That's your point, Pete. He didn't really have to face much adversity other than the beginning of the game. And so then he's able to go play football. Right. When you run into some problems, you still have on your resume for the day. I have gotten felt good about lead. Yes. Right. And, and now I, you have two games to build upon. I mean, you should have two relatively safe yeah. games to build so it's upon. Like, when I say he didn't face adversity, like uh, Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich are, are <laughs> they adversity. are adversity. Yes, yeah, they are for, walking, for talking an, adversity for an entire sixty minutes. I later. meant more in terms of like a really bad mistake or a fluttering throw to the flat that like you know hits. Cole Komet's ankles. Um, he didn't have like the self-inflicted thing that he had to like. Okay, how do I flush this and move over? Um, eventually, that will happen this year. But overall, I thought it was a, it was a nice first start for him. Katanzarit Financial Services is a safe harbor, providing guidance to clients on anything that affects them financially, including retirement planning, asset management, and estate planning. Katanzarit Financial Services also leads customized educational workshops, retirement planning classes in South Bend and Elkhart, Indiana. Begin. September 27th. Log on to CatanzariFinancial.com for more information. Defensively, I mean, how about how about Khaled Kareem's first game as a full-time starter? Called it. Nice call. <laughs> Called because it. He, he is, I mean. Do you have I, the MVP I, of the game? Was that the, uh, or no, I have, he would be the most improved player on defense. Nice. And by the end of the year, we'd be talking about him like, wow, this, got a, this is a star player. I don't think, I mean, that's a, that's a great call. I don't think that any of us are shocked that when he was given the job, now he's going to excel. Nine tackles by a defensive end under any circumstances is a whole bunch. He's just really hard to block. You know, rewatching the game, he, he and Tillery's the same way now, too. They have... They've developed good lower body strength, and you just keep leaning on an offensive lineman. Eventually, that offensive lineman can't maintain leverage against you because you're so powerful from the, the hips down. They had pressure when they needed pressure. Had they, to save the, uh, well, first of all, to save, they first in, in the red zone, obviously, Kareem Sack knocks them even out of field goal territory. Mm-hmm. But when it's first and goal down at the five, Coney makes a great one-arm tackle because that was an easy touchdown run on first down. He makes the stop, and then it's Hayes and Aquara with pressure. Tillery comes in to get the sack, and then it's more pressure. Gilman makes the play. Their, their opportune pressure was huge for Notre Dame in this game, and that, that's what you need. Is, is it's not, You're not going to pressure all game long but to, the, to the point where you don't have an, an absolute elite pass rusher. Mm-hmm. They, were, they had a very good game plan on third down and obvious passing situations. One thing that Mike Elston said at Media Day that I think he sort of referenced it to you, and I talked about it more, was just like their third down pass rush was going to be better than it's ever been uh and it was it was a pretty good last year at times but the kareem sack uh when it that the one that knocked michigan right. out of field goal range um kareem's lined up as sort of a defensive tackle and tillery i believe or aquara i think cuts inside yeah, and they then, twisted on it yeah. and then kareem sort of like delays it and then shoots off that gap like that's that was the role that Andrew Trombetti played last year. He does not get close to Shea Patterson. 
Kareem really close. Kareem is a that was that one in particular top top athlete that they just haven't had in that role before. So it's uh, and Aquara is hard to beat. Aquara is hard to block. On a regular off the edge rush too. I don't. I thought if he added ten pounds, that interception would have been returned for a touchdown. <laughs> if he'd been two fifty <laughs> instead of two forty, well, that you know we mentioned after the game. I mean, that's a total scheme play there. They blitz Coney, and and in addition, Okwara sold it well. You know because they're expecting him to pass rush, and he definitely sold the pass rush. So that when he dropped and 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 veered toward the sideline to to McKeon, I mean, Patterson just completely threw it in his hands, and he was he was already there waiting for it. And we have seen uh, what the coaches saw in Alohi Gilman. Yes. <laughs> it was a good time it's for a, us a, to finally see it. It officially happens, yeah. <laughs> well, well se- you know, seven tackles. Uh, we've, we've talked about safeties. You don't measure, you know, measuring defensive players on tackles is difficult to do, but your safeties need to be around the football. Right, and they just stuffs at the Yeah, line, I mean, too. they just yeah. weren't around the football last year. I the first time I think we really saw it was in the blue goal game. I don't know that we had seen a practice where we, where we saw that that decisiveness and that instinct, and then making the play. Second play of the season defensively, he's coming around the edge and making a tackle. I mean, significant in the game long term. Myron Tagovailoa, Moses broken foot, was out ten weeks. Um, I, certainly a, a red shirt opportunity to take advantage of the new four game rule. Yeah, there, yeah. Uh, I haven't gone through and watched like every Jason Adamalola snap, but I certainly didn't think that he was getting blown off the ball or looked out of place when he was out there. I, did, I, I, I thought he looked a lot of place just size-wise. Okay. You know, I mean, he's a true – that that was the first thing that – definitely smaller. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I mean, I'm not saying he didn't do some good things, but there's a couple times where he just – you know, and he's listed it – he's basically listed at the same weight as MTA, but I they don't – the yeah, they, they, they don't look the same because, I mean, Tiger Veloamos has been in the program and – and, uh, you know, has another year under his belt with, with Matt Bayless. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, he's going to play. And we'll, we'll talk more about that position. We have a question in the second segment about what they're going to do on the interior defensive line. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that they like. And, and on Sunday in our teleconference with Brian Kelly, he said he's ready to play. So he would know whether he's ready to play or not. He was pushing varsity. You could tell he was pushing varsity. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, in practice. He it, got but, some second yeah. team work in it, scrimmage it, situations. Which means he's on his way to being, he yeah. wasn't going to overtake them, obviously. But I think he's, he'd be a third guy. He's, he's, I think he's more, I mean, his asset right now is is quickness for defensive tackle more than it is size and strength. So he's like behind Jerry Tillery. So there's not a lot of snaps to be had there anyway. Right. Um, but, you know, 10, 15 snaps a game. Shouldn't have a problem with that. Sometimes these coaches are onto something when in midway through camp they're developing the third guy because someone might get hurt once in a football season and they realize yeah. they might need them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, young running backs, I Jafar Armstrong, I think, played as and again, we talked about going into the game that have we really seen him run between the tackles? We, the media, hadn't had the opportunity, and I thought I thought he acquitted himself quite well. Brian Kelly said after the game that he still runs upright and I and I get that, but I mean, the, you know, the kid, I mean, the kid plays hard. He plays physically. He looks comfortable out there. He wasn't overwhelmed by the situation. You know, he had two touchdowns by halftime, which is a pretty good debut. Yeah, I thought that. Uh, I mean, his second touchdown run was just how fast can I get to the corner? I mean, there wasn't really a lot to it. No, but uh, that I, no, there fine. wasn't. Which is exactly what he he <laughs> realized. Like fast guys no, either. he that's realized that's how he had to mm-hmm. run that play, and that's what he did. Which I which I thought was great. That's good. Yeah, that's a good thing. He he said, when I interviewed him, you know, I asked him if he was a one-cut back, and he said, yeah, I am. I didn't get the impression that he was a one-cut back Saturday. I thought he showed good vision. I thought he, when the hole was there, when the seam was there, he reacted to it. The best example was the first touchdown, and I realized 
any one of us, right? No, yeah, but it still did. But he still, right? But he still, yeah, he still reacted the way you would expect him to react. So I mean, he runs with power, and I think he shows some vision. And Brian Kelly did say on Sunday that that vision, a lot of times when you have a a young running back or a guy that's transitioning the position, you know, that's what eliminates you from playing is that you don't have that vision. I thought he showed it Saturday. And Tony Jones might be alive. Finished well, off a 12-yard, 11-yard run by making it 12. Finished off a four by making it five. That's what you need. No, yeah. really. I mean, he's not going to be spectacular. He's on the sideline. Everybody, he, last year, that's a skate out of bounds for 10 yards. He put his head down. And it, that's what they need out of Tony That's what Jones. competition does. Yes. You know, I mean, the job, the job suddenly when, when he realized that Dexter Williams wasn't playing the first four games, he thought, okay, the job's mine. Competition's good for him. I thought he showed, he, he obviously showed power, but I thought he showed a little bit of quickness, quickness that we really haven't seen since... April and August of 2017. I think that I want to see more of Armstrong before I form an opinion on like what kind of runner he is or isn't. Um, this week I, might not work either, though. Just like Michigan is hard yeah, to do might, that. Ball State's hard to look at. You know, you put them, you put them together. I guess before the season, I think we all would have thought like name the position group with the least amount of material in it. I think we all would have said running back. Sure. I don't think much has changed. No, I agree. That. I agree, but. I, you know, by the end of the month, when Armstrong, if if we're talking about Armstrong after the Stanford game, or like he's this kind of back or he's that kind of back, then I think we better have an idea of like, okay, this is what Notre Dame has, or they don't, or they don't. Um, but clearly, he's a just a, a really good athlete out there at a at, a, at the bare minimum. Um, you can definitely work with that. That's how you get that thirteen yard touchdown run in the corner. Brandon Wimbush hasn't arrived as a quarterback, and Notre Dame's running backs haven't ar- arrived either. I, you, you know, there's still much to prove, but I, Armstrong is as good as you could expect a guy that is a receiver and or I, was a receiver. And I think, this might be taken wrong, I think Wimbush did as well as you could expect a guy that doesn't pass the ball that great to yeah. do against Michigan. Yeah, no, He's I a agree. very good college quarterback because he can run, and he made some throws and it was against Michigan. It was a good game plan, Could you too. imagine him, did you think he'd be, have a better game than that going in? No. That's, I thought he might have a worse one. Right, exactly. Um, I thought he might have a worse one. Yeah, I mean, I thought there, there could have been a big error in there. But I I thought that Notre Dame, with Chip Long, they particularly in the first half, you know, he had Don Brown on his heels, and they weren't really sure what was happening. And there were, like, the, his, Long's best play call got wiped out by the Alizé Mack penalty. It was that throwback screen to Avery Davis. Um, Who looked quick on that? Yeah, I just, I, I think that Brian Kelly's comment, a week ago Tuesday about we're going to play offense with the Wimbush that we have, not the Wimbush that we think he might be able to be, was turned out to be accurate, opposed to the Thursday comment of like, hey, we're working on his mechanics. Because um, they really didn't push the issue other than, I think, a pass to Armstrong and a pass to Komet in terms of that, those quick stuff to the flat. you got to throw a couple, though. You know, because I think it just... Uh... Sometimes that's the only read that a defense sure. will give you to. So yeah. as long as that's at all, it's yeah. All but they didn't they didn't force that no, issue, no. which was good to see. I think the fourteen games that Chip Long has been offensive coordinator at Notre Dame are pretty impressive. I mean, I, th- I think that he's adjusted well. They don't, you know, they, I mean, they didn't put up huge yards, and they they didn't put up huge yards against LSU either. But I think they're pretty impressive. And Clark Lee, I'll take him as a defensive coordinator as well. I, was, I don't know if we're going to talk much about Clark Lee in the second segment, but I, I think one thing to note. On Clark Lee, in comparison to Mike Elko, Clark Lee has better players than Mike Elko had. You know, it's like they they built the defense last year. They got the system in place, installed, learned the playbook. Oh, better and more, yeah, more experience. But, I mean, if Mike Elko had Alohi Gilman and a junior Khalid Kareem, um, that 
the last year's defense would have been a lot better than it already was. So it's uh, they're they're definitely trending in a very very positive direction on that side of the ball. I think that's it for segment one. We'll be back with segment two with questions from our readers. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Catanzari Financial Services from Irish. I was tailgating. There's not a lot to criticize in the Michigan game, but aside from kick coverage, what needs to improve the most from week one to week two? Uh, I mean, the offensive tackle play, for sure, which it will, because Ball State doesn't have Rayshon Gary and Chase Minovich, so they should be better there. Um, I'm, I really, I, I tried to think about the defense. <laughs> I have a hard time picking out anything on defense. I mean, I thought Osmar Bilal played pretty well. I mean, they put him in some conflict situations. Michigan practices, too. They also have guys on scholarship, um, so... He got I, beat. So I wrote. Beat it. I wrote nothing down about defense. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's. They had something. one coverage bust. I couldn't figure out like who was responsible. That's what I'm saying, Clark Lee. I mean, they were as prepared as you could ever hope for. Yeah, yeah. They, they tackled well because I remember the missed tackles. That means you tackled well. I remember Tranquil yeah. missed one in the hole, and Bilal could have had a sack. That's really. You a great sit there time. and think about it in your head. You, you know, if it's a game where they tackle poorly, mm-hmm. you're going down the line. You have to write them down. You don't have to sit around and write these down. They had a. That's not the best offense they'll face, but they had a, uh, it's, it's a top 10 team, or top 11 team, so it's, it's yeah. something to be proud of, it's no matter the what the offense. offense they'll face probably until Stanford, right? Right, right. So, it was, like, it was just a really good performance across the board, you know, it, and like, the even the special teams that struggles were very micro, I mean, it wasn't like, Newsom had the shank. He's not going to do that a lot, though, no. that's just a shank. Yoon was excellent, um... Jonathan Dorr really was, had a terrible that was, game. Yeah. That was really not good. He um, might get replaced again. Yeah. Like he did last year. Which is well, totally fine. So he, the opening kickoff's out of bounds. He gets the late <laughs> hit. And then, he, and then he does it. I mean, yeah. do something, man. You know, and I don't He's 6'3", two, 200. If you've ever walked by Jonathan Dorr, he's a big kid. And obviously he's capable of hitting it, banging it through the end zone, which Justin Yoon did, and he didn't. And not only didn't do it, but he didn't get but good with, hang time. With the rule change, you don't even need to try to do that. Just have Yoon Sky kick it to the 10. They're probably going to fair catch it and bring it out to the 25. By the way, yeah. on the film, um, because the TV view was perfect for this, on the kickoff return touchdown, there was no Notre Dame player at the 24 upon reception of the kick for 99. So no one was within 24 yards of the return man. Yeah, and that's what, that's, I mean, that's what Kelly said on Sunday or maybe on Saturday night, just like your kicker can't. Line drive it like that to the one to the one where <laughs> yeah. you're just like whoa okay the ball's here let's let's return this um, you know their holder psych out field goal block unit was excellent uh, I mean you would expect that to continue so I I don't know it was um, I think most of the most of the improvements they need to make are offensive tackle. yeah I mean yeah right, I mean the run the run game in general we still need to see the running backs prove themselves I, I, the receivers at, at times of course had difficulty getting out press coverage but everybody does against Michigan right. so that's a you know you survive it and you have I mean, that's one of those things that okay you got all, all kind of uh, you know all kind of film to watch to, to improve that and uh, that's why winning this it'll game be better against everybody else huge 
because it's you're, it's impossible to lose the next one. It's incredibly unlikely to lose the one after that, and you really can't talk about yourself as a contender if you lose at Wake, right? I mean, Wake's a seven-point spread for a reason. It's not going to be as easy as people think, but you can't leave Wake losing and say, well, you know what, we lost to Wake, we're just going to keep contending for the playoffs, I bet it's that's not I, the way it goes. I bet it's difficult, though. I, yeah, but you can't lose that game. You can't let no. yourself lose the no, game of course if you're an not. actual playoff contender. Of course not. So not, not a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. week, week one is just win. Southern Irish won. Why weren't the tight ends featured more? Are we saving those plays for down the road? Um, I don't think they're saving any. I think the notion of saving something against Michigan doesn't make any sense when you say it out loud. Um, in terms of why the tight ends weren't... <laughs> Even if you whisper it. Yeah. Even if you... <laughs> when... I think it... I haven't watched the game enough, like the replay enough to be like, how much were the tight ends in? How much were they out? My... My feeling is that it was mixed, um, that they weren't in the whole time. It's not like Notre Dame was max protecting all night because of uh, Winovich and Gary. Because if they were, Winovich and Gary wouldn't have been in the backfield as much. Um, I was surprised that Cole Komet was not involved uh, in the passing game. But um, I thought Alize Mack was more involved in the passing game than I was expecting. And was he... Productive, I, I think you'd have to say yes, just based on his one catch that he got uh, hit in the face. Uh, I mean, a great sh- catch. The other, ca- the other one he should have made. Sure, um, a player of his caliber has to make that catch, uh, and if he does, that's the greatest game he's played in his Notre Dame career. Um, I, the, so that I was mean, encouraging. The fact that he came back after taking the shot to the head, I think, is a is a is a great sign. I, I will say, you know, okay, it's hard to defend a guy that's dropped as many passes as he has, but that's a that's not an easy catch because the defender is kind of swinging his arm across his vision. It's kind of like, here's another baseball analogy. You know, I mean, the infielder going out, outfielder coming in, you know, you're just distracted by the other, the other player. And that, that made it a little bit more difficult to make. But the fact, that he, the fact that he took that shot and came back in and wanted to come back in and continue to play the rest of the game, I think is, is way bigger than the drop pass except for the fact that he has a history of drop passes. So they had a fair amount of two... I was only a chart of the first half, but in terms of down to the micro level, they had a fair amount of two tight ends when Mac was available to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the bigger plays, this is always fun to look at about six games down the road to see how they score their touchdowns, especially last year when they had about 50 touchdowns six games down the road. But two tight ends on the Armstrong run... Three wides, obviously, on Fink's, because Fink was the third, mm-hmm. on his touchdown. And then three tight ends on the power touchdown run with Armstrong for three yards. Yeah. So uh, they're in there. Brock Wright uh, in there. You know, got Brock Wright in there. Yep. Got Brock Wright in the fourth and one, too. He did the bush push on Wimbush. A little shove. Yeah. yeah that totally was really fine. You so, can do that now. You're off. That's right. <laughs> Bad timing, but you're yeah. off. Stu Joe 11. Where does Saturday night's crowd and atmosphere rank in the BK era? Um, I mean, was it better than USC last year? Was it better than Michigan in 2014? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. We're, I just know that it was good. Yeah, we're up. The problem is we're upstairs so Yeah, much. it's hard for us. <laughs> the Michigan 14 at the end was better because they were yeah. chanting and singing, which just makes us. It's crazy. There was a bloodlust there that was fun. This one was uh, really good the whole time. Um, USC, it was hard for us to know at all because we went down with five minutes left and the game had been over for 35 minutes, so you don't get the same right, feeling. Right. I'm sure that was great when it was 21 nothing. <laughs> that, that had to be one of the better times. You know, they have, those, they have these windows at the top of the press box. That Why don't they if open you could, this if nice they, weather? If they just... I mean, I get it. Michigan it was, does it for crying no, out loud. I mean, it was humid, so they, yeah, you don't want to nice do that. Weather. Yeah, but that's true. all you true. have yeah. to do is just crack... A, 
handful of those, and you, you're, that sound is going to pour in. USC last to the year. Press box. Open it up for us, right? <laughs> Just a little noise. Look, the Michigan. The reason we know the Michigan Notre Dame game was ridiculously loud in the new Michigan press box because they opened those windows. Mm. Everything's shaking in there. Um, the loudest I can remember, the Kelly era was actually Stanford overtime. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were down on the field, we were down we're down on the field at that and point. Yeah, I would agree with that. That was, well, just a lot of the line. You're 5-0. I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah. a lot of the line. You know, a lot of people that were in the crowd said it was fantastic. Saturday oh, it was a night. really good atmosphere. Yeah, was, you know, shame. I mean, shame on them if it's not. I mean, well, I don't know yeah. what else you could have <laughs> asked for, especially when you when you take the early lead. They, but, uh, they did the green out well, too. They did. It's like, yeah. I want to make a note of that, because I think when I was like, all right, here's another one of these, and like... That stuff rarely works, I feel like, at Notre Dame, but they did a really nice job of that. Hope right. they don't try to pull it off for Stanford. Let's do a one-time thing and just be loud yeah. for Stanford, right? It's, yeah, don't definitely. Kill it. Yeah. Golden Domer, do you see more plays for Avery Davis and getting him cranked up these next three weeks as there will definitely be less running by Wimbush? Yeah, apparently, you know, I mean, it's Davis's first game. I think nerves uh, were a factor with him, but he made a play. I mean, he, he made, I think it was a 15-yard gain. Uh, I, th- I thought the... The screen pass that Wimbush threw to him that was overthrown and almost picked off by Hawkins, I thought Davis could have given a much better effort on that. The ball, I think the ball was kind of starting to already get by him, but he just kind of gave it a wave, and you can't afford to do that. You got to, I mean, you got to get up there and try to make the play. But, again, this is a guy that we have not seen, per se, uh, make a play in practice, but they insist that he is heavily involved. And that he is a, he has playmaking ability. So the answer to the question is yes. They they definitely want to get him more involved. I also think uh, if you're not up 21-3, 21-10, 24-10 the whole game, you might if let's say you're behind, you need to make a spark. You have to have a spark, make a play. He might be a guy to spark it, but you're not going to put him back there and run six times like Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones. In a, yeah, ball security is an yeah, issue at that point. The game didn't necessarily dictate we have to make a play with our niche back. He's a changeup back. Yeah. They wanted to. That's fine. You wanted to bleed that clock a little. Jet sweep, right? yeah, stuff I, like that. That something. screen is was a good. That was a great. That was really a great call by Chip Long. Yeah, that was. I think it was the best call of the night, which made sense. Which why is he why was he so was pissed <laughs> off about. <laughs> he thought it was the best the call procedure of the night penalty too, afterwards. Right. <laughs> I think one thing. Sort of the the question for the first part of the segment was like, okay, what do you want to see moving forward? Where can they improve? Like the two back set, I don't think really popped up a whole lot on yeah. Saturday night, which kind of surprised me. So I think that's part of the playbook that they can definitely expand more in the yeah. next couple weeks. We skipped a question. Yeah, circling here. back to a question here from CMU Penns fan: Michigan might have the best defense Andy will face all year. What is the next defense on the schedule will truly cause Andy issues athletically? I, I'm I'm glad this question was asked because I think I uh, spoke out of turn last week. Um, did, what did I say? Did I say that Northwest, Northwestern has the has a better defense in Northern? Did I say that? I think better, better front seven. seven. What I meant was... <laughs> what had happened? What I meant was they I, don't I, have a No, part. no. I, I said it, and I own it, but I really meant defensive line because, I, I, I mean, just... Ba- this Now, mind you, this is written in July, okay? So, I mean, looking at, looking at Northwestern's defensive front, what their defensive ends had done statistically last year, the depth that they had built a defensive tackle, like Notre Dame, um, you know, I thought Northwestern had second-best defensive line. But the question's a great one because... There really isn't anyone, I, I don't think, close to Michigan. USC is is rebuilding up front, although their linebackers and secondary are very good. I mentioned Northwestern's defensive line. Stanford's defense is being rebuilt on the front half and the back half. Their linebackers are very good. And then maybe Florida State fits in there, but there is really not 
there's not a real established defense on Notre Dame's schedule like Michigan's top to bottom. They'll they'll run into better corners, Florida State, I think. Um, they might run into better linebackers. They won't run into better defensive ends. No, no. like and some I made this comment in my my story, and someone commented after it was like. You know, I think you're being a little pessimistic because, like, what if they play Alabama and Clemson in the playoff? I was like, all right, let's let's not get carried away here. But um, in it, I think it's worth noting that those defensive ends were the best they'll face, and those and Notre Dame's offensive tackles again were the least experienced they'll ever be. So it's it was the biggest strength against Notre Dame's biggest weakness, and it showed. So in terms of a defense that can really hit Notre Dame where they're vulnerable. I don't think that's going to happen again. I think Florida State's got a deep defensive line, bad line, just from my friend in the program there, of nothing at linebacker, which does not make any sense at all if you watch football for the last 35 years. There's, I believe they're starting a true freshman. Yeah, they, have no, they literally have nothing at linebacker. Like He's like, they're new guys, and they wouldn't be playing if we had anything else. Uh, yeah. But he said really good secondary. And really so they, don't need, they didn't even, and just to clarify for everybody, they didn't even like the young guys that were next in line. Yes. So yes. in other words, normally they're like, well, you lost guys, but right. these young guys are going to be really good. Right, well, I'm going to say that. The one thing I will stand by is that Northwestern has the second best, sec- has the, the most experienced proven defensive ends after Michigan. See, I, I that's all. That's all I. Uh, that's that's my only claim. Let's just take Notre Dame out yeah. of it. Okay, and then it's easy. All right. Uh, Twitter question from Santa Cruz one three two six. I don't understand why Notre Dame took its foot off the pedal offensively in the second half. Do you think it was too conservative? I think as Rayshon Gary and Chase Underwich made them take their foot off the gas because they could they could not block those guys for most of the second half. I, that is, we said on this podcast already. They have players too. They they adjusted well because. Yeah, and Don Brown's their coordinator right. for credit. You, you can't. What do you want Notre Dame to go to all the hot reads you didn't want to go to before the game started? Just no. I mean, there's when you're up by a lot, it is not a bad thing to run the ball and to try and. Well, I dis- <laughs> I disagree with the premise anyway because the second play of the third quarter by Notre Dame's offense was an interception, and then in the second series, there were incomplete passes on second and third down, and then in the third series, they moved the ball down and kicked a field goal. In the fourth series, they threw. Um, on second down, uh, I, I mean, I, I I don't think they took their foot off the gas as much as Michigan stepped on the brakes. That's a good. <laughs> and that was that's it. <laughs> there was no. I mean, they have a really good deep, and they got lit up for a quarter, and then they were not lit up at all. That's just the fortunately way it they got lit up for the first eight minutes of the game. Maestro seven. Any tinkering with your win loss predictions after Notre Dame's win over UM? Uh, I mean, that's a that's a legitimate question. Certainly, you lean more towards. Ten and two now, right? Although when Tim, when you and I did the before we did the actual game pick of game week, I had Notre Dame in nine and three beating Michigan. So, yeah, I mean you don't want to overreact, but I, you certainly feel a you feel a lot better about Clark Lee and his transition as defensive coordinator and where they are defensively, whether they can play with the same looseness and aggressiveness that they did under Elko. Yes, they did it against Michigan in the opener. If you do it then, you're going to do it against everybody else. I have one reaction, and it is because of the win. I picked them to win in the summer and game week. Now, I don't go which way is it going to go if it's not 9-3. and three, I don't go back anymore. To- well, now yeah. I go up totally, to 10 and totally. Okay, That would be my change. And obviously, yeah. it's easier because you just beat a team that's good. I think it's a good that, way that's to look the way at it. I look at it. I, mean, are you, are I think you? on the last podcast, I said if they lost to Michigan, I thought they would beat Stanford and Virginia Tech. And if they beat Michigan, I thought maybe they would split one of those games. Right. So I, I, started, I still feel that way. Yeah. I, I think when 
they head out to Navy. They will be six and one, and then they're in for a hell of a test for those next five weeks. And that that point is unchanged. You agree they don't you don't fall back anymore, right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's that's, that's if point. there's a change, that's it's it. like what my secondary prediction would yeah. be, not my primary prediction. Right. Um, do you think eleven and one? Does it make you? Does what no, happened no. Saturday night make you think eleven and one? No, no, that would have to be Wimbush's first quarter for three quarters. I agree. I mean, I agree. I, I get that. that, that that's if he's what, hitting. If he's hitting past now, Tim, I think you made a really good point about the Mac catch. It was a better catch than throw, but it's also the only place you could put the throw. If he's making those all the time without getting someone killed. It is more the think catch was a think catch, man. That's just he should have thrown it because you take a chance on your player. Right. And it's in the end zone, it's forty three yards downfield. But that was that was a play but by the wide receiver. If Metellus is in the game, he he probably makes that play. But he might I mean, who knows who would have thrown it if there's a safety in a little bit better position too, or if he doesn't know. I think it. I think you give you. It's good to give receivers a I mean, chance. Fink had, Fink had an edge. He he had an edge on the guy. The guy and the, I mean, it was just really, really played very poorly. So I asked. So Fink is every bit of under five ten. I mean, yes. sometimes these listings, and he is small man. And I asked him because Wimbush said he can get. She, someone talked about the size of Claypool and Boykin post game because you know that hasn't been a story yet. But Wimbush mentioned, and we have one guy that can get up. Now, I know they're, like, roommates and good friends, but I wanted to look into this. I asked Fink as he's walking out just randomly. Cause he'll what ask, his vertical is? I go, can you dunk? Because he's 5'9". Uh, and he goes, oh, yeah. Like, it was not even a problem. So maybe he could really get out. Oh, I I bet go, yeah. He, yeah. He looked at me like I had two heads when I asked him if he could dunk. He's 5'9". <laughs> so he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like the, the Wimbush throw you wrote it about your tail of tape where it was just to nobody but between Claypool and Boykin, I think. Right, like, it was to air. I, that was confusing to me. Like that, And that's what, I mean, going. that's what prevents me from, like, going overboard. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's, yeah. Let, let's just... Brandon Wimbush has to throw the football much, much better, and and it's tough to do that against Michigan. But I'm not ready to go to, I'm not ready to you know ten two. You have to consider because you just beat Michigan for crying out loud. Uh, I have a Twitter question from Mister Yips underscore four, as in F O R E. Uh, can you discuss? And it's really two questions here together. Can you discuss depth on the defensive line with MTA out and Ewell changing positions? And then we have a question from. From Woo Rick Flair, can MTA play four games in redshirt with a new role? Uh, second part, yeah. Um, that's I think that's what they'll do. I mean, it, it, I sort of wrote about this today. It's like the the rule was designed for freshmen, but strategic application. Did you? I, yeah, I know. Did you think of it in those terms though before this happened? I didn't think. Yeah, okay, if yeah, a guy thought, gets, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, you know, you just didn't think that it would happen immediately. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like the kickoff rule. The kickoff rule change was for player safety but the strategic application was at the very end of the game you don't need to return a kick just fair catch it right and that's what fink did you prevent a fumbling opportunity boy was the crowd not aware of that rule change. me too yeah <laughs> oh did you wonder what I he was mean, doing oh really <laughs> you, when, forget, I was you forgot like, you mean you forgot i forgot about it i was like what because immediately i thought michigan state 2006 where they're like puckering at the end of the game and the guy fair catches a, a kickoff at the five yard line you're like what are you doing um he knew what he was doing yeah he knew what he was doing <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that, that that will be a good retro rule usage in terms of the defensive line depth. It's not as good as it was 48 hours ago. That's the reality of it. I think MTA probably would have been your sixth best defensive lineman or, or at least your sixth most used defensive lineman. So that's not an insignificant, but they should have a workable four-and-a-half-man rotation for the two interior spots with, MT, with um 
Mikey Drew Treadway sort of being the half guy. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll elevate a little. I would like to, you know, I would just like to see what he can do. Now, look, the guy hasn't been in the rotation, so obviously, all Elston said was that you know he's. I asked him about him because we're going. He has to tell. He'll tell you about everybody. And he just said he's in much better shape. He can he can yeah. be well, in there and do stuff. What I like about Mike Drew Treadway as an option is he's he is a legit three hundred pounder. That is one big. That's a big frame and a big dude. Brian Kelly said that Jason Adamalola is ready to play. I, I trust him on that. He also suggested that Jonathan Bonner will cross-train um, you know, back at his old position. But I'd just be interested to see what Micah Treadway can do just because of that bigger body. And the latter part about Bonner <laughs> cross-training is technically Treadway's a nose tackle. So Bonner might be better off backing up the uh, third string than Yeah, than I mean, I think he's, I think he's both. Year, he's, all, he's always played both, hasn't he? He's been cross-training there for a while. I haven't seen him up there. Yeah, we don't, yeah we, don't, we, don't, we don't get an opportunity to see him. But they do have some options there, but uh, not as good as... Although I will say this. I, I didn't think... I thought Heinish and Tagavaloa Mosa didn't play very well. I thought when... They, they didn't get gashed up the middle, but when Michigan had its most success running the football... It was some combination of those two and Adam Alola, but pretty much more Heinrich and MTA. Uh, I didn't think they played very well against Michigan. I have not, yeah, I haven't watched the, that closely to evaluate that. But I mean, and MTA was out so early um, in the game that that would be very difficult to read. And just when, like there it was early, it was early second, second quarter. quarter. Yeah, um, okay. So he, well, he barely played. All right. Well, then, so then it was it was Adam Alola yeah. and Heinish more, I guess, a little bit. But it's, I mean, there's no question the drop off from Bonner and Heinish is significant. Um, and I, the drop yeah. off from Tillery to Adam Alola will also be really I, significant. But like, I thought Adam, the MTA to me clearly clearly was the best second wave interior yeah. lineman. But I thought Heinrich made strides in the last month of the season where he was starting to get off blocks. And I, you know, I mean, he, and and he talked he talked about that as well mm-hmm. that he felt like he was getting off blocks better. It's just one game and it is Michigan. I just didn't think I didn't think the backup interior defensive lineman played very well. Greg 2126, do you remember a grittier performance from a Notre Dame quarterback in the last 20 years? Any idea how many times he was hit? Uh, I mean, Brady Quinn's first start at Purdue. That's why he wrote that down okay. immediately. Yeah, <laughs> because I think he got hit by like 42 times. It was brutal. He just kept getting up, man. <laughs> there, if you if you don't love Brady Quinn, you should just go watch that game and realize that that's why you should like Notre Dame football players, what he endured. Yeah. That. I would be... You imagine if that happened to someone with like a bad attitude? Yeah. <laughs> how they're blowing up on the sideline would occur. Uh, how about a guy no one thinks of the word gritty with? I'm serious, too. Jimmy Clausen, mm. come back at Purdue with turf toe, coming in and out of the game because they can't get a first down unless he's throwing a dart, and he wins the game. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not fun to talk about because they were 6-6 six and six and got a coach fired, but it's, it was still... Hell of a season I'm referencing. I, mean, I think, what, they finished 5-7? Five 5-7, and, seven? Five, five and seven, yeah. So, um, those happened. I mean, well, there's guys and, that just don't and, celebrate them all. And was it you, Pete, that asked a question earlier this preseason about... Um, you know, now that you have Ian Book, are you a little bit more likely to have Wimbush run? That was you. Yeah. Um, he had to this game. You had to. Run oh, absolutely. This I mean, absolutely. I mean, the offense really would have stalled after the first two drives if he didn't. Someone asked Pete and I in the elevator on the way up. <laughs> Pete, wasn't it? Family? No, no, I think Dennis Dodd. Dennis Dodd, I'm sorry. I asked us on the way up, did you expect him to run that much? This yes. game, yes. He yeah. absolutely had to. Yeah, because I think I was, I was talking to another national reporter about it, and he's like, yeah, they probably can't run Wimbush like this regularly. I'm like, well, of course not. They're not going. Like, this was a game you had to, like, just throw it all out there and, and 
put your best foot forward. You don't need to do that against Ball State or Vanderbilt or Wake Forest. So, somebody, I don't think it's one of our questions, but somebody asked a question about you know how much is he going to run against Ball State, Tim? Uh, if he runs more than the first quarter at all, <laughs> then they're doing their job wrong because yeah. he if he gets accidentally hurt running against Ball State. You don't need to run. Just don't run. Just throw it. Hand it off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to run your offense. If it's an RPO and they crash it. down on Armstrong, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like... Well, he needs to get better at his read option decision, so you still, need to do, um, you still need to do some of that. But it's like, I, I'm quite interested to see what they do with Ian Book this week. Like, we'll play a lot. You know, do you give him a series in the first quarter or the second quarter? Like... Well, they talk, just, you, just straight up rotate a little bit? I would. Ball State? I definitely would, because he got a series... Uh, now, the... First time Wimbush got hurt. First time Book came in, Wimbush did get hurt. But the second time was the first half, and that was planned. I mean, it was just planned for Book to come into that situation. Yeah. I'm really interested Why to, Why would like, you not against Paul Ask State, right? Kelly more about that. I brought it up on the Sunday teleconference, and... But I think the angle that I'm most interested in is, is, why is that where you want to bring in Ian Book? Because if... One of the things you were best at with Brandon Wimbush was red zone touchdown efficiency. Yeah, I don't quite do it. But, they, but he mentioned something about having a... Two snaps, two touchdowns. I, was so I can't say, argue yeah. with that. How's that efficiency, Pete? <laughs> he really hand, he handed, he handed it off well. Uh, yeah, Brad Kelly talked about a, you know, a, a, a package that features book throwing the football a little bit more, which that makes more sense. You know they're good friends for Wimbush to be able to make fun of book. It, handing off the ball for touchdowns yeah. after the game when somebody asked him, he's like, yeah, he did a great job. He's really proud of himself. And he does like a little handoff yeah. <laughs> without the ball in his hand and starts laughing. So they have a pretty good relationship apparently at this point. Kirkus Maximus, one of the most vital positions that would cost Andy most of an injury, including Sean Crawford. Now, Sean, I mean, make no mistake, Sean Crawford, that, that's going to continue to be a big loss for Notre Dame. I think we've talked about this before. I mean, obviously... You know, uh, tranquil Coney Tiller. I mean, Tillery especially now uh, uh, yeah. without a without a, a proven. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think I think Tillery probably moves to yeah. the front of the front of the class in uh, with regard to that question. I mean, Mustard would be terrible because it would mess up a lot of things. Um, the way oh, Alex Bar- the way Alex Bars played would be terrible. He, he played very well. Uh, oh, but God, we messes more things up if he's out. Yeah, right. I think Mustafer was outstanding for everything that happened before the ball was snapped. And he was quite good after it, too. But, like, Bars said something really interesting after the game. You usually don't get these kind of detailed quotes from players afterwards, but he referenced how Michigan ran a blitz that they ran against Penn State three times, and that was it. That was the only time they showed it all last season. And then they ran it three times against Notre Dame, and they picked it up all three times. That's a... That's a compliment to Mustafer and the line in general, but really the center. So uh, Mustafer, Tillery, Coney, because they don't Coney would be that would be awful. that would be very bad for the Coney saved the touchdown in this game early with a one arm tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coney's pretty important guy. Yeah, I do. You know, we have I, I I've been remiss here. I, Alex Bars. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not only was that the best game he's ever played. I don't. I there is nothing that I've ever seen that came close. To the way he played Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I'm he, not excited. Quentin Nelson type snaps. I mean, the touchdown run for Jafar Armstrong of 13 yards. He took out two and a half guys. He punched Chase Winovich in the chest when yeah, he was laying was, on the ground. That was great. That was my I favorite mean, part. Not only did like he would, was that exciting to see for him, but like somebody sent it to him on his phone and showed it to us while we're interviewing him after the game, which was great. He wanted to show that to yes. us, didn't he? That was fun. Uh, so yeah, I mean that was that was as good as Alex Bars has ever played. And, and Tim, I think that you've been sort of waiting to like absolutely I, I want to see a dominant performance. Uh, we from saw Alex it, Bars. man. Yeah, yeah a- absolutely. I don't, you know, I mean, uh, 
anybody that's if you're going to call him a, a, a preseason second team All American, you got to play a lot better than you did last year. I wrote in August that I want to see Dom, Alex Bars dominate at some point because Notre Dame's line can't be close to what it was last year if he does it. And one so for one. People told me I was crazy. You don't need to be dominant; just be solid. They need a couple dominant guys, absolutely, <laughs> and he's uh, the one that can be. Well, I mean. <laughs> Hey, look! Look what happens when you have a dominant guy like you had last year. You can do some you know, amazing things in a running game. That was fantastic. I mean, total props for Alex Bars. I've been tough on him. He totally earns the the, the props here this week. All right, guys, that's it. Uh, that's it for today. We uh, the Ball State preview. <laughs> the Ball State preview is likely like, not. Go- I will have the most information on Ball State because yeah. I write the most extensive preview of it, but. <laughs> You guys feel free to cut me off when I talk too much Cardinals football. Once you get into the Bill Shoal connection with Ball State, then we're going to end the podcast. They do have the they, left guard. They do have two 1,000-yard rushers, with no, which no other opponent or Notre Dame can claim that they have on their roster. Uh, but they're going to have a really tough time defensively holding Notre Dame down. So we'll talk more about them, but probably a lot more about Notre Dame's personnel on Thursday. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzary Financial Services.